FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Are we rolling, Georgie? Oh, yeah. We're rolling. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> I'm going to leave that in there. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 289 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked. I, yes. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I wonder, you know, I, I should come up with a chart of, of the 289 episodes, how many times that's been done. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't think anyone did it before, Denise, but we definitely got people doing it after. Yeah, so, Yeah. Yeah. So, awesome. Well, hey, you may be wondering who these voices are. And, of course, I am your host, Jason Venable, and I'm joined once again by the multi-dimensionally famous Excalibur bros, Dan and Georgie. Hey, guys. Hi. Hello. How are you all doing? I'm I didn't know I was famous in other dimensions, but it makes sense. Well, we're, we're <laughs> that not, does make sense. We're not that famous in this dimension, but all the others are really famous. <laughs> right? Rock stars. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and of course we'll talk about it some more uh, towards the end of the show, but definitely uh, don't get arrested by these guys as um, <laughs> they do uh, the Scour Bros podcast. Yeah, sorry about that. It's L.A. There's always sirens. It's yeah, hey, it's a sign of the times, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, but definitely uh, check out Excalibur Bros. If you're not, um, I think we should have a, a pretty fresh episode when this comes out. So you can you can double dip on your uh, mm. George, Georgie and Dan. Dipping us. Just dipping, <laughs> dipping all of us. <laughs> I don't know where yeah, that's going. Buddy. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to catch up on some X-Men comics And a little bit yeah. lighter load this episode um, Phrasing Yeah In fact, we kind of missed all of like the, the solo books I think a cable came out, but we've been ignoring that for a while um, <laughs> And so, but one thing we're going to do is we're going to um, Speaking of double dip and doubling down We got two issues of Red and then, of course, we're going to wrap up the first mega arc on Astonishing X-Men. So that that should be fun. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least I have you guys to do it with me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I guess before we get started, uh, let's see if we have any hot takes on the, the hot claws. <laughs> hot claws. Hot Claws. And of course, if you're not sure what we're talking about, um, it was released as part of the, uh, I guess, the the new Wolverine story after Hunter Wolverine. Um, he's going to have some new powers, and one of those is Claws That Heat Up, which um, has been hashtag Hot Claws all over Twitter the last few days. Um, so I will I'll go last. What do you guys think of... Uh, Hot claws. I feel like it's a punchline to a joke that isn't funny. That's all I can think. It's it's funny to everyone who's observing the joke scenario from like a third person view, but to the actual people involved in the joke, it's just sad. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it doesn't sound very appealing to me. Now, you know, in the history of Wolverine-type characters, we've had different claw scenarios, right? I mean, we have uh, Jimmy Hudson, who we'll talk about, and Blue later can can metal or unmetal his claws, depending on his, his whims, I guess. And, of course, you know, Lady Deathstrike has the cybernetic claws and and all that. We've had bone claws and, you know, um, and so after Wolverine Origin, the first time came out, you remember they had that uh, Wolverine Origin series? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think Daniel Way may have started that uh, with Dylan. Um, anyway, there was a story arc in there with some kind of, I guess, Weapon X like super spies that were trying to recreate some Wolverine abilities, and they had laser claws. And we've we've seen that also, like in the, the last all new Wolverine story where Gabby had laser claws. Um, I think playing with that is fine, but it seems weird. And maybe I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that maybe it'll make more sense once we can get through Hunt for Wolverine. You know, actually have a story connection, but I'm a little skeptical at this point. Yeah, I don't really understand the point of... So, so alright, like, jumping back, giving him bone claws, even though there was a lot of outrage at the time, it kind of, it made sense with the character, right? If all of right. his bones had metal put on them, then having, like, just metal claws that would come in and out for no reason didn't make sense. So, like, logically, okay, he's got bone claws... They put the metal on. It makes sense, even if maybe there's outrage. But, like, suddenly, he's back from the dead, and so, I don't know, the Infinity Stones are like, here, your claws can heat up now. <laughs> it doesn't seem oh, logical. Is that, is that what it's going to be? Is it going to be a uh, Infinity Stone thing? I don't know. Yeah. I just don't know why the character You know what happened? <laughs> yeah. So, have y'all been reading Countdown? Yeah. Okay, so here's what happened. When he dumped that Infinity Stone, when he did the upper decker on the toilet with it, <laughs> the, 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 the combination of him grabbing the stone with his claws out in dirty toilet water made his claws hot. Mm. Makes I guess, sense as anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I guess here's, here's kind of another question. When you have adamantium claws that can cut through anything... Mm-hmm. What? How is this extra power going to actually play out? Like, what does he need them to be hot for? Is he going to slice butter? Or, like, <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm trying to imagine a scenario where the hot's going to make a huge difference in, in something that he couldn't do, just being able to slice through everything with razor-sharp adamantium. Um, uh, magic? Magic? <laughs> Oh, is he going to suddenly be able to cauterize everyone's wounds? Is that is that where we're going with this? There's no blood in the comic. No Not the only comic. I have a healing factor, but I can heal you as I cut you. <laughs> as I cut you? Oh my god. <laughs> maybe, maybe, um, that's how he got out of his prison? Adamantium prison? Okay, he melted hot, his way hot. out, right? Okay, possibly, I guess. Oh no, no, Kitty no. phased him out. Yeah. We already know no. that we already know that mystery. But like um, you can't once once adamantium has hardened, it can't like go back to its liquid form. It can't like heat up and melt, right? True. What's that sword that can just cut through and Oh right, right. 
is that is that hot? Because <laughs> like, is that, maybe his claws are like. Oh, uh, okay. Now, right. So now instead, like, yeah. if he were to come up against like a Wolverine clone, instead of their claws like just sticking to each other and not cutting anything, he could turn his heat on and cut somebody else's adamantium. Okay. <laughs> The sentence he can turn his heat on has to be in the comic book. <laughs> has to. You can turn that. You can heat it up. Okay, oh alright. Well, I don't know. As long as they look like six little lightsabers, then I guess I'm okay. But we'll see. When I liked, I think it was Georgie, and I think I alluded to something as well, but I think you actually tweeted out, um, you hope he has, like, a little timer on his back, like a little backpack timer. Yeah. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> like, ding, claws are ready. Yeah. <laughs> we may have to change the name of the podcast to the podcast that goes, ding. <laughs> I, I just see everyone else just laughing at him when he says, I'll get my, I'll pop my hot claws out. <laughs> I just, like, the rest of the X-Men just pissing themselves in the background. Or even the enemies just start laughing at him. Right. Like, but I got I got hot claws. <laughs> oh goodness. Okay, well like I said, I will I will wait and see how it plays out in the story, but it, it sounds like a weird a weird direction to go mm. at this point. I mean I understand like I don't know, I think I think that's something you would do to a tired character. I know some people, not me, maybe think Wolverine is a tired tired character, but it seems like if you're going to make a change like that, you do it while he's alive. I, I feel like bringing him back is already kind of like, oh, that's the new thing. <laughs> but but I, guess, I, guess, I guess that's the state of comics, is that a resurrection just simply doesn't get the wow anymore. So, I don't know. But... <laughs> But speaking of resurrections, you guys want to move into uh, the man called X finale? I mean, let's yes. get this, let's get this over with. <laughs> All right. So we have astonishing X Men number twelve, which will be the last um, issue of the Charles Soul arc before we we change creative teams. Um, and it is a man called X the finale, and it is when we get to the thing here mind killer act three uh written by charles soul art by gerardo sandoval colors by eric arseniega letters by vcs clayton cowles and the cover is by greg land and edgar delgado uh, with graphic design by jay bowen and anthony not so childish gambino okay so last week or not last week last time I kind of stuck up for the Greg Land cover. Um, this one is atrocious and ugly, and I don't like it. Is Psylocke drunk? Like, stumbling towards us? Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like it, it either. I think she's doing some kind of telepathic snake dance. Is this because uh, he's, like, actually drawing the interiors for the next arc? So he's just wishing out covers? Yeah. Like, oh, okay, here you go. Floating heads. Ugly art. <laughs> Whatever. Let's just cover it. Color it purple in the background and be done with it. <laughs> yeah, I kept trying to figure out if that was supposed to make a shape or not, but I don't think it does. I think it's just... 
Just telepathic waves. Waves. Washing over you. Mm. Alright, so if you remember last time, or maybe if you don't, um, Professor Charles Xavier, now known as X, died, and out of his cracked cranium came the Shadow King. And now he's going to come from the astral world with his spider legs and, and make some spider babies and take over our world. But the astonishing X-Men team of Old Man Logan, Big Man Bishop, No Hands Mystique, Metal Winged Angel. Um, I'm running out of <laughs> names. <laughs> we'll just say Rogue Gambit and Psylocke. <laughs> um, that's the team that's got to stop them. And, uh, yeah, they, they don't really... Um, Eventually, the Shadow King is able to vomit fear on them. Um, we get an interesting scene, or page, really, a whole page dedicated to Old Man Logan going, Ah, why did I even try? It's useless. And he snicks himself through the chest. Kind of like I wish Old Man Logan would do in the in the comics. Um, <laughs> which I feel bad saying that, because actually the last few issues have probably been the best in a while. But uh, anyway, I'm ready for him to go away. Um... And then, oh, everyone else tries to fight him. They can't. They face their fears. Um, or, I guess, get faced by their fears. Gambit um, lays out cards for some reason. And they all argue about stuff. X is like, oh, well, I should just kind of let this go. Or is this really what I wanted? Did I do this? Did I do it on accident? Did I do it on purpose? Who cares? X-Men don't give up. I'm not going to give up any mind pushes. Uh, the Shadow King, and then he asks Psylocke for help again. And again, they access all the psychics on the planet. And they make uh, rainbow Voltron colors. And then X is able to giant size. And he steps on Shadow King like a literal spider. Um, and Psylocke is able to unpurple the world. Um, and X again is like, I don't know if this was my plan all along or not. I'm going to make you all forget, but then give you all a gift. But Psylocke, you remember, so you can keep me in check. And I don't want to be Professor X anymore because he was bald. So I'm going to keep my hair and do something else. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. that, that's that mostly what happened. <laughs> yeah. And after hearing you summarize, like, a number of issues just popped them in my head and why this is a terrible story arc but but <laughs> I don't want to hog the conversation so um, where, do, where do you want to start Jason? <laughs> well I guess let's start with the art what do we what do we think of the art in this book? Um, I just think that it, I've always had a problem with Sandoval when he, he goes full on imitating Germat and really? Because I think he's better when he. Because <laughs> like his stuff on wasn't he on an Avengers book and 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 Venom recently? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, it feels like two different artists. And here, it, it's not bad. It's just much like the rest of the book. It just feels it's maybe the only only positive. I don't know. There's some nice little panels. There is nice panels. There are nice panels, yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of like if Joe Madden and Umberto Ramos had a baby. Yeah. Um, but it also reminds me, so what 
what do we call this style? I feel like anime is too broad of a brush. It reminds me of the same the guy that did the uh, the prison story in um, X Men Gold and that Wando guy. Oh, it's not that bad, right? No, it's kind of these flat, angular faces, right? But but with dynamic poses, and I don't know. I don't really know what the style is, but it's not. You know, I look at, at this 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 issue, and I feel like Sandoval is doing fine at what he's doing. It's just not really for me. I mean, there are a number of, of nice panels, but there are a number of like terrible panels as well. Um, right. Like there's a this think- panel I'm looking at now that has. Uh, old man Wolverine in front of the team, and his face looks like like uh, a rhombus, like it's it's totally like uh, yeah off center. Yeah, yeah. So there's a number of like these like weird weird issues that within this issue that just artistically I can't jive with. Right. But my favorite page is the one of Bishop on the ground trying to like talk to his time machine or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Like that page to me looks really cool, and like the grass looks nice, and I really like the way he drew his dreads. But then, yeah, but then you go later, and I don't know. Everybody just looks flat. Like I feel like that. Like for example, that page of Archangel, which should have been really dynamic, just doesn't really pop for me. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's not. It's not terrible, but it's not necessarily my cup of tea. I do like the color work. Yeah. I do like the shadings. Yeah, it looks good. And I feel like... Alright, so... Any any other notes on the art before we move to... Just some, some notes on the quote-unquote story? <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. I just love the quote-unquote story part. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know... And I'm... See, I feel really bad because I feel like every time Charles Soule dips his toe into, like... I, we talk about Astonishing X-Men, and I haven't loved it. And there are a lot of people that do. And I feel bad because I like his other Marvel stuff, as I said before. And now I feel like I'm making excuses, like, Oh, but go read Daredevil or Darth Vader <laughs> because it's good. And this isn't. <laughs> but is it Charles the guy who is bringing his hot claws? Yes, that too. But, but his Hunt from Wolverine stuff has been good so far, so I, I don't know. Anyway, let's focus on this issue. Who cares what else he's done, right? Um, <laughs> I just, man, I feel like this story was like, instead of an outline, it's just a spiral. And we just kind of keep going back and forth to different things. Like, oh, the Shadow King was defeated, but then he wasn't. And he was going to come here... And then he wasn't, but now he is, but then he can't. And, you know, spider legs and X, you know, good, bad, I don't know. He doesn't know. Does he know what he's trying to do? Like, <laughs> it's just... Well, does Saul know what he's trying to do here? Because he literally did the same story twice. He right. had, like, he had uh, the Shadow King about to win, and for some reason Professor X was able to beat them with, like, combining all the, the mental powers. But then really... You know, he was just waiting, and he popped out of X. And then they used the same exact plan to defeat him, but this time they go deeper. And why? It, why do you need six more issues to do the exact same thing? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
And then, you know, we, we meet extra psychics. So Psylocke now has, like, a psychic Rolodex, um, you know, in her back pocket. And then, I don't know. I think to me also, like, obviously, I like the nod to, like, the mind wipe. Like, if nothing else, just the Danger Room podcast reference. Uh-huh. Um, I like that he mind wipes. But then his gift. Oh, yes, yes. All oh his God. gifts, I feel like all these characters should be past this by now. Like, are we really under the assumption that, that all, these, all these characters are so stuck? And maybe that's a comic book serial problem, right? The characters move forward, but they don't really. But I don't know. Just all his gifts are like, you know, Warren, you can choose to be Angel or not. Like I told you back in issue three. Or Gambit. You know, I give you purpose. Go find Phantom X, who I told you he was safe, but, you know, go help him. <laughs> and, and Rogue and Mystique, I feel like, how many times have we had this conversation? Yes. And I then, thought Rogue was fixed. I thought the whole... Like, I'm sure she's been fixed since, like, before she joined Uncanny Avengers. I generally thought she was a fixed. But then she, she wasn't was- all fixed in Rogue and Gambit, so, I mean, I don't know. Ro- Rogue's status quo is is I think they rolled it back once she's been folded back into the X books it, it feels like they've rolled her back all the right. development she's in the Avengers books is has just been thrown out the window <laughs> yeah. back to normal rogue right. people want. yep and then Bishop you can be an okay guy and you can enjoy life you know like you did back in the early 2000s mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um old man Logan you can walk towards the light, right? I mean, these aren't gifts at all. These are just, like, explaining the character. Fortune cookies. They're, they're dadgum fortune cookies. <laughs> the one I hate the most is, is the Gambit one, because he's basically telling Gambit, hey, clean up that mess I made. Like, I stole yeah. Phantom X's body. You left <laughs> him. So, uh, can you clean this up for me? It's my gift. Right. Here's the gift. See all those, all that food I left on the floor? <laughs> Sweep it up. Merry Christmas. <laughs> the, the interesting thing is, like, I feel like none of these gifts are going to be picked up in any other book. Like, they're going to be utterly ignored. Um, with, yeah. Because obviously with Gambit being in red, and I assume yellow, uh, got yellow, gold is going to have, like, a shift of characters soon to fill out oh. all of the ones red has, red has taken. Yeah, and, right. um I feel like Old Man Logan's gonna disappear soon, and I imagine they'll bench uh, Mystique for a little while, like they always right. do. Yeah, and Bishop, Bishop as well. <laughs> so, do you think you think the gift of Gambit is a metatextual gift that Soul is saying to Tom Taylor, "Here, fix this." <laughs> <laughs> I broke all of this. <laughs> Do you think that's what it is? It's like a, his farewell note to all the other writers. Like, uh, right. I kind of fucked this up. Can you can you clean these characters up for me? Sorry. I love the idea that in one issue of Red, Cassandra Nova will just meet X and kill him. <laughs> and then it's just like, it's done. <laughs> done. Because, like, um, my problem here, I think the major problem this has always had is that when they sat down and pitched it or talked about it, it was, right, so... All I want to do really is like a telepath sort of story um, with the Shadow King and then tie in like maybe resurrecting Professor Xavier. And everyone was like, oh, that's a really good idea. How are we going to do it? Well, we could just do it like, you know, call it astonishing because that's always a good title. Um, 
you know, throw Psylocke on because he's a psychic, and a few other like big name X Men to try and draw a crowd. Um, just have loads of different artists. Oh, this sounds really cool. How, how long? How long is it going to be, then, Charles? And he's like, twelve issues, maybe. <laughs> like, <laughs> so just like, oh, we, we we need to like pad it out a little bit more. Like he probably like planned it out as free. Like this is my first arc. Yeah, free yeah. And then they're like, no, no, it can't be free issues. <laughs> like add two, and they just kept saying to him, add two until it got to twelve. And he's just like, my lord. I feel like they, they put it into like one trade, like six issues. And then they're like, you know, this is selling really well. Can you do another arc? He's like, well, I could just do the same thing all over again. <laughs> and like, yeah. I love the fact that he, he finishes it in, he finishes his entire, like it sums up the whole book, really. That he, it has flat, this issue sums up the whole one so far. Like the, the art's quite flat. Um, the story is done in one, like so quickly that it's almost like forgettable. W- the reader is given like sort of some sort of tease about what's going to happen next. It feels like the whole like this book is literally just sums up the whole idea of what astonishing has been, which is like this flat, pointless journey, which could have been done in like four panels. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I feel like it's a complete. It's been this issue is has made it a complete waste of time. The fact that he does regurgitate the story he just did, uh, like finished it in issue six. What was Prometheus about? Like, it literally feels like has no, nothing has consequences because everyone even gets mind wiped at the end, so they don't even remember what they've gone through. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Except for Psylocke, how many? So what's the running turtle of people that Psylocke has to keep tabs on <laughs> to possibly kill if they go astray? Oh my I don't, god! No, I feel like she is just like uh, the X Force at this point. Right. In time. <laughs> She's the one-man one X-Force. She just got alerts on her phone, pop, you know, continually popping up. Like. X had bad sushi. Check on him. <laughs> the problem is, is like, it's, she's given this, this like, idea, and I don't know if there's another X-Book on the horizon, but I don't feel like this thing's ever going to be important unless Sewell does a Psylocke mini, like, miniseries or... Like a Psylocke ongoing <laughs> or something. It just means it makes it's like so what that she has to keep tabs. No All one right. cares. Well, so what? Maybe. Oh, sorry. Go maybe. Ahead, maybe her time, uh, Psylocke's time in the spotlight is kind of over because she like she was like the breakout star of uh, Remender's Uncanny X Force, and it's that's kept her like in every book essentially right. as like the leader. And I think maybe her time. Has come to an end, or maybe Charles Soule has just ruined ruined her. Like like Guggenheim has ruined Kitty. Oh. Um, I, <laughs> well, I just no, feel it's like, not that bad. It's not nearly that bad. No, I just feel like I feel like these characters need to be just given to other people, or just sort of put down for a little while, and let's all breathe and let someone else take over, which is happening. So that's I suppose that's a good thing. Right. So does Sangwat get a power up, or? Is there just some other random power that gives Mystique her hands back on that page? <laughs> I think what it was was they sort of merged life, like real life, and uh, I almost just said the Phantom Zone, which is obviously not what, where they were. <laughs> astral plane? Yeah, the astral plane. And so anything became possible again. Uh, so th- they just healed. Oh, okay. Well, that's convenient. Yes, exactly. Okay. And so how dumb are X-Men? I, I get it. So you got big, 
Shadow King was a spider, so you stepped on him. You, you crunched him, right? Mm-hmm. And you picked him up and said, "Ew, a gross dead bug." But why did they? Why does he just throw him like into the grass? <laughs> I feel like X Men with bad guys. You you don't ever leave the bodies laying around. Like that should be like rule number one. Right. Is I just killed a bad guy playbook for the X Men is that. You take the body home, you cremate it, something. Like, you don't throw it in the grass and go, well, he's done until, you know, later. <laughs> yeah, it does like, make... It, it's... Uh, I think we're asking too much of this book, right? Okay. <laughs> All right, well, I guess then final thoughts. Uh, what do we think? Let's, let's just kind of maybe say this story, the purpose was to give us a young, hairy Charles Xavier who's going to go off and do other stuff besides lead the X-Men. So what do we think of, does this character have possibility? Um, do we not care? What's, what's our... Let's just say the story doesn't matter. The end result is this. Does that matter? No. <laughs> it, it's it's a pointless, pointless like evolution of Xavier like we we've we've lived without him for so long now um we don't really need him in any form like even if he's like young and like I'm gonna go do other things he's just uh... <laughs> and we've got enough telepaths this book proves it we have too many telepaths we don't need another one he almost works better as like that painting on the wall of like yeah. your your grandfather who died <laughs> and like inspires you Rather than right. a character who's actually still doing things. Yep. I agree. All right, well, let's talk about some other things. When we want to grade Astonishing X-Men number 12. Damn. I'm, I'm going to be harsh because it wasted my time and give it one. Wow, okay. Well, I say wow, I'm only giving it two. <laughs> so I was on the fence between a two and a three, but the more I talked about it, the less I liked it. I I don't enjoy the story in this at all. I'm giving it a two because the artwork isn't terrible. Uh, there are some nice panels. Color works nice. It's it's like one one is if it was atrocious and it's really right. bad, but it's not the worst thing. <laughs> all right. Well, that. I mean, I guess, I guess here's the here's a positive thing I have to say about this book. It's over. The number thirteen is Matthew Rosenberg and Greg Land. Right. <laughs> and Warpath, right, on an interesting team. Besides, the best thing about the last couple of Weapon X issues, I know we haven't really been talking about them, is his split with that team. So I'm excited to see him show up somewhere interesting, and. Yeah, Colossus, Beast, Dazzler, and and whatever's going on with Havoc, which we'll talk about towards the end of this episode. So, yeah. I don't, I I that, don't want to be, like, super negative, but I have that thing with Team Dynamics where you've got two strong people on the same team. It's a double ah. negative. So. <laughs> but one of them has knives, Dan. And he can fly. So I suppose <laughs> that's it. Who do you think was so, going to be the leader for that team? I want it to be Dazzler, but it's not going to be Dazzler. It's got to be Havoc, right? 
but then he's gonna he's gonna be second guessing everything he does. So I don't know. That could actually be kind of interesting. So do you think once Warpath finds out that Logan's back, it has heat claws? He's gonna try to put his knives in the microwave. <laughs> Probably. Are they made well they made of vibranium. I think they're made of vibranium. <laughs> True, they they oh wow. So if regular metal blows up a microwave, what does vibranium do in the microwave? Nuke nuke the town? I don't know. <laughs> right? Yeah, man, it's like a mile wide crater. Alright. Well, Mr. Dan, we have an X Men Red annual, which doesn't really necessarily makes sense to call it an annual. It would be better if it was just an X-Men Red special. But whatever. Annual number one. Um, so, who, who, did, who gave us this book? Well, it's written by Tom Taylor. This uh, is Pascal Alex. Um, my eyes have gone crazy. Um, colored by Chris Sotomayo. Uh, lettered by Corey Petit. And mm-hmm. the Woo-hoo. main cover is by Travis Charest. How do you feel about this cover? Because I don't think it's the strongest thing he's done i disliked it enough that i bought the arthur adams cover instead all right then yeah <laughs> and the arthur adams cover is not bad it's kind of uh it's kind of your classic sexy phoenix pose but um but it's it's pretty good no i don't you know it's funny because we'll, we'll talk some more about it when we get to issue five but i'm on a uh x-men red Travis Charest cover merry-go-round. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I love a cover, and then I hate a cover, and then I love right, it again, right. and then I hate it. And it's all the same artist. I'm assuming. I'm assuming he's not. No one's like ghost penciling for him. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. But no, I don't. I don't care for this cover much at all. Yeah, I'm, I, that like, I'm flip-flopping a little bit on here too. There are pieces where like I kind of like the colors and kind of like the, the colored pencil work of it but then I don't and then I do and then I'm like Gabby looks like a, an eight year old but is she eight or is she a little bit older or what's with her <laughs> costume and I, I'm like back and forth on it it's it's, I, it's it's okay it reminds me of playing cards you know like those cheap X-Men playing cards you, you could get <laughs> right. it reminds me of like that and you'd be like oh this is cool I've got a gambit um you know, that's what it reminds me of. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. And anyway, <laughs> um, so we open with the Phoenix, as we always do. And um, we have poor Jean dying, coming back and talking about how she's going to, you know, her plan to change the world. And we have a bit of a flashback to the uh, resurrection of Jean Grey. What was that book called? The book, that one that brought her back. Um, uh. Holy crap, what was it called? Uh, Phoenix Resurrections, maybe? I think it was Resurrection. Okay. Let's go with that. So everyone's allowed to hug um, Jean apart from Iceman. Um, and she <laughs> well, Dan, like... that's because he doesn't like girls. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Just kidding. And this can kind of seem like what they're saying, though. <laughs> it's really weird. It's really awkward. Um, yeah, it's like, um, she goes to each person, touching them, smiling, um, being upset by them um, while everyone's just happy to see her. So we're basically setting in the timeline of she's just got back. And um, her and Wolverine have a like, her old man Logan, sorry. I know we're not allowed to use Wolverine. Um, 
<laughs> describe him. Um, have a little um, chat with each other, which is quite fun. And then Nightcrawler just teleports her away so she can see the Xavier Institute for the first time in a while. And then this is where we have, because it's in the middle of Central Park, we have people throwing hot dogs. <laughs> um at mutants because that's a new one um free hot dog for nightcrawler though so always good and gene gene <laughs> just uses her telepathy and terrifies people <laughs> essentially <laughs> and just talks this guy down and that's throwing the hot dogs because you know who, who wants to throw hot dogs and then she decides to go on a little merry-go-round tour uh meeting with her daughter I, it, I hate kind the term. Of, it is yeah. kind of daughter, Rachel. And they have a nice little chat and they have a little bit of a fly. Um, and then they go and meet um, Laura. I nearly, I nearly said Gabby because Gabby's in the scene. But she goes to meet Laura because she wants to see Laura. Because I literally didn't realise that Jean, dead, the dead older Jean, has never seen Laura. Like she died well before she was ever introduced. Yeah. That, weirdly blew my mind when I was reading this. <laughs> but, um, and Gabby turns up, you know, hilarious, um, as you are. And then she goes to um, New Atalan to lay the smackdown on Black Bolt. But no, no smackdown. She just wants to have a chat psychically. And she seems not that pissed off that Black Bolt inevitably helped kill her love of her life. I, I put that in inverted quotes because you can never tell if it's Cyclops or Logan is her love of her life. Um, and there's lots of flashbacks. Everyone's happy. Jean forces Black Bolt to say he's sorry. Sort of. She talks to Scott's grave and then she flies off to save the day. Oh, and then in the end, Cassandra Nova gets her little psychic fingers in Rachel's brain. Yeah, I totally forgot that that actually happens because <laughs> because I, I stopped I stopped at the X Men the preview for X Men Red Fifty Number Five. Ah, and yes, yes. Yeah, Cassandra Nova with her weird elf ears. Yes. <laughs> so my first my first question is, how do you feel about the art? I don't like it. I thought it was ugly and didn't do anything for me, oh, but. Awesome me then <laughs> uh, what did you think Georgie I, I don't I, at the end I don't really like it but I appreciated that they trying to bring something new and different into the book um, so it was like it's almost like a mental exercise like trying to figure out what this artwork is all about and w- what the artist is trying to do but at the end I don't really enjoy it I felt like he was trying to like it felt like it was trying to ground itself like be really quite not super realistic but really quite grounded but also sort of traditional superhero styles uh, I just didn't I just didn't like it I feel like the, the faces were always slightly off or slightly sinister or dead dead inside they all looked like they were dead inside yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it doesn't really help when you when they're trying to convey like an, an emotional state where everyone looks like they have no soul um, sad issues. Yeah, I get what you're saying, Dan. I didn't think about it with the real weird. I'm sorry, with the weird realism, like the fact that Jean's boot, boots never seem like they're quite staying upright. 
<laughs> like, like if you really had boots like that, they'd probably fall down and not stay on your calf all the time. Like if, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's interesting. I don't know. It's just it just I don't know. didn't. It's weird because I do really like the phoenix on the first page. Yes, I know. Oh, this is gonna be cool. And then the more I read it, the more people just looked off to me. And and who knows what what Gene's hairstyle was because it yeah, kept don't. changing. Do you know this this artist? Is this someone you guys have seen before, or is this someone new? As far as I know, and I never want to swear by these things, but as far as I know, this is the first art I've ever read by Pascal Elixir. Yeah, I've not. I don't think I've seen this this art before. And I think what bugs me the most about it is that overall this is a pretty killer script um and so it kind of bummed me out that there was a disconnect between the quality of the writing and the quality of the art for me now there are a couple of trouble points i'm sure we'll talk about i think dialogue wise and from start to finish is is some more great stuff by tom taylor i love Love the way Nightcrawler is. Um, yeah, just anytime Gabby shows up with Tom Taylor is, is always going to be fun. But um, what what else did you guys think about the the story and or the writing overall? I like the story and writing much more than the artwork. Uh, there are a couple of great moments, like where she tells Logan, "I was never yours. I'm Gene." Yeah, right. But then later she said, talks about her two loves. So I thought that was kind of weird. Like I I was kind of like. Obviously, if you listen to the podcast for any length of time, you've heard me say how much I dislike uh, Logan's love for Jean. And so I, I kind of cheered a little bit when she was like, I was never yours. I was like, yeah, sweet. But then later she's like, one of my two loves. And I was like, aw. <laughs> and, and, and Taylor's the only one who's addressed how terrible the Inhumans were to the X-Men uh, in all of Marveldom. So yeah. I, was, I was glad, even if maybe we don't feel like it went far enough, I I was happy to see that addressed at least. It it was nice to have someone, some some person somewhere finally go. By the way, um, this species of royalty who have enslaved their own kind are also very mean to us mutants. It was nice to um see them not portrayed as superheroes. Like they always are, and the Thor X-Men are always like the bad guys, even though they're all dead. Right. No, I, I really, I don't mind Jean offering the olive branch and even quote unquote taking the high road. Because she was like, well, I was going to like force feed you all my emotional trauma, but I, I voted against that, and I want us to try to work together. The only part that kind of bothered me a little bit, where is. I'm even okay with, like, okay, Black Bolt maybe kind of apologize, and that's, like, good enough for us to coexist. The part that bugged me, though, is when she says that what Black Bolt did was an accident, because I don't, I don't, that's revisionist history, yeah, I exactly. think. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Because he may have not have known the extent to which it would cause mutants damage, but he definitely made... A conscious decision to release the stuff. Well, and so re- releasing it right was was I don't know an accident or conscious 
But once they found out what it did to mutants, they made no effort to be like, hey, sorry, let's see what right. we can do. It was like, well, <laughs> sorry, guys, but it's it's really sacred to us, so uh, have a nice afterlife was basically, right? Especially in, like, in human perception, where, yeah. where she's like, I'll, I'll push a button and turn it off. I was like, you could have done that. One million, like thousands of people have died, and you're about to go. We believe in it, and but but we have the audacity to still be the heroes because that's what Marvel want to write us as. It's like they're right. not heroes; they're evil. But now Jean's back. The X Men are the heroes again. What I did, the only thing that I think was missing, and I think it's the promise of what Dennis Hopeless um, is with, was the interaction between the older and the younger Jean. Right. I felt like that was a, could have been a moment because I, I forgot about Rachel. No offense to Gold or anything like that, but I totally forgot that she was like sitting around the mansion. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, young Jean's off in space trying to be a Venom, so she's probably hard to get in touch with. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> I want to know. You got. It must be pretty sweet to be the X Men, and be able to like bury your your comrades in all the like coolest places in the earth. <laughs> what? Because Logan like had this awesome like gravesite like in the Canadian mountains, and Scott's on like this beautiful cliff. Um, you know, they're, they're never like in in regular cemeteries or even like on the mansion grounds anymore because they they're can't like, be in a regular cemetery because the graves would be like destroyed <laughs> true <laughs> true I, I would just say I thought it was cool I, I thought it was nice that Jason you know, I love you know, that I, your point is I wish I was an X-Man so that when I died I'd have an awesome <laughs> grave yeah more or less <laughs> <laughs> I do like Scott's um uh Tombstone. It was quite nice. Yeah. It was not to say like traitor or revolutionary or Marvel <laughs> scapegoat or whatever. The only thing that's missing is uh, Quentin Choir with some Magneto was right graffiti on there. <laughs> so, so what do we think overall as the story as a bridge from like this is really kind of the in between of Phoenix Resurrection and X Men Red Number One. Do we feel like it makes a good good segue? Yeah, I feel like it was nice. It gives her, like, sort of the... It shows us the sort of drive she got when she came back. Right. Yeah, I, I would... You know, my point also kind of would be that Taylor and Hope was you know, kind of making me like Jean Grey a little bit. So, big kudos to them. That's a hard sell for me. So... Yeah, it's nice. It's a nice story. Um, it's just sort of disappointing. This is the artwork they chose to go with it. But um, yeah, I, I as I, I think I, I reached out to Dan on Twitter and just said, "Hey, Dan, finally someone has talked about how terrible the Inhumans were." And, <laughs> like this is it took forever, and this is the only little caveat we get of like, "Hey, sorry, <laughs> sorry." Yeah, it's the only stuff we'll get from now on. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the other the other like thing is Marvel's not going to make any more uh, books for the Inhumans for quite a long time. So they're, they're, <laughs> about, that. they're about to kill, aren't they? They're about to death of the Inhumans. Them, yeah. yeah. 
see, if he hadn't had this scene, he could have had a scene where Black Bolt's like, X-Men, please help us. And Jean Grey's like, please. <laughs> <laughs> but, all right, well, why don't we want to grade X-Men Annual number one? I'm going to give it a solid three. Yeah, me too. And kind of the opposite of the three we normally give. There's lots of times where we'll say, well, I'm going to give it three, but it's just for the art. Well, this is the opposite. I'm going to give it a three, but it's just for this, the writing. Yep, exactly. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, like I said, we get to double down on X-Men Red this episode. So next up we have X-Men Red number five. X-Men Red number five. Writer Tom Taylor... Artist, Mahmoud Azrar in his final issue. Color artist, Rain Barreto. And letterer, VCs, Corey Pettit. Woohoo! Woohoo! So, uh, the cover for this uh, month's issue is Mimor, uh, underwater, um, sort of looking fierce to uh, his, his right. He's got his new costume on um, and does all kind of bubbles. Um, so, what do you think? Well, so, on my Travis Charest merry-go-round, this is when the horse is really high on the pole. I like this cover a lot. Yeah, I really enjoy it. I also enjoy the little tiny bit of imminent art that we get with Jean Grey's head in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) The countdown to extermination. Yeah. Yeah, I I like this cover a lot. I think I really like Nimor's costume here too the green it looks really I good do on him. too yeah. yes it's pretty cool all right was... all right well that was pretty easy yeah <laughs> so uh continuing on with x-men uh red number five Cassandra nova has been going around the world and um getting world leaders to sign different laws to sort of uh treat mutants in, in terrible ways uh, we, we see her in Warsaw, um, speaking to, I guess, the Chancellor. Then we see, like, a, a, a policeman coming up to his mutant friend and being like, Look, look out, man. you got to get out of here. It's a warning. Which, I, I kind of like this, this, this moment a lot. Yeah. Then we see that, you know, around the world, people are getting upset and there are protests. And um, we're, we're sent to a hospital where... A guy had attacked some uh, some mutants that the Gambit had tried to stop, um, and the, it was the woman with the the wings that was killed. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Right. And uh, Gambit sneaks in to uh, I don't know, mess him up, uh, but then he sees that uh, the Red X Men are there, um, and they explain that there is something in this guy's brain, a sentinite. Was that what it was? Yeah. Yep. In his brain, that's causing him to do bad things. They turn it off. He repents. Uh, they bring his father in to give him a nice hug, and then they they escape uh, back outside to the wilderness. And we see a wonderful sentinel painted in <laughs> rainbow colors with a, like a daisy on her. I love that. Yeah. I just had like flashbacks to like Rainbow Bright and My Little Pony <laughs> when I saw this. Um, and this is where. It's sort of like Gambit joins the team, um, and then hours later, they go to the edge of the Baltic Sea as uh, mutants are trying to escape from 
Germany and uh, Giant Sentinel crashes down um, and the X-Men pop out to save people. Uh, the Sentinel's used as a shield um, and eventually Jean decides to use her telepathic powers to merge everyone's mind just for a brief second so that these, these military men can understand that they're real people that they're shooting and killing and trying to exterminate uh, which stops them for a, a brief moment until Namor pops out of the sea and is like, look, get out of my territory. And they pan down to uh, this, this like, military guy's feet whose toes are just barely in the water. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you've crossed the border and the tide's coming in, so you better look out. That's and, an awesome line. Yeah. He's like, the tide's coming in. It's great. Oh, I love man, to yeah. see him actually play a part in this book. I mean, he's been teased for so long, but to actually be a part of the team and to help out was great. Uh, the mutants all load up into this giant bubble sea ship uh, and they escape. And uh, end of the issue. So, uh, what did you guys think? I am really enjoyed it, but then that just seems like a moot point at this. <laughs> right, right. I, for, I what I really like is the design of Storm's costume and the fact that her usual yes. like crown crown motif is like wrapped around her around her ear and. I. I think this is one of the best Storm costumes in a long time, and I love it. It just it just makes her look so well regal, and and that that um, panel of Neymar coming out of the ocean, he just looks so awesome. Yes, he looks pretty rad. And very powerful. And and appropriately Namor. Like, <laughs> he's like... Yeah, it's weird because, you know, you, you think about, okay, well, what, is, what does Atlantis mean? Like, let's say if there's really a nation of Atlantis, what, what would that look like in the real world? And here we find out that Namor is like, so I have an agreement with your country. They're allowed to, like put boats in my water and fly over my water and I let that go but you know I still own it he's <laughs> 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 just like because I'm Namor and you scuzz better get off my off my tidal pool <laughs> I love how he struts out of the water too like he's yes. got some swagger to him yes oh. yeah no Azrar nails his body language I feel like uh, Taylor makes him sound like Namor. Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely... You know, it's weird, because I'm going to say something. I think we've talked about this a little bit before. That I normally think is a bad thing, but I think is really working. And that's the fact that, that Tom Taylor has kind of... He's not really beating around the bush of what he's trying to say. What the X-Men's mission is, or anything like that. And sometimes that lack of subtlety can be a little hard to read, but I feel like the way it comes out of Gene and the rest of the X-Men, it makes sense of where they are. And I don't know, maybe it just is a happy coincidence that it kind of fits my own sensibilities, but I don't know. It doesn't feel too heavy-handed to me, even though it... Definitely. I mean, this book is definitely not trading in subtlety right now. No, no. 
What what I do like about the annual uh, so much is that it it is much more of a character uh, based story where this is much more focused on action and we get little character development uh, in terms of the main characters in issue number five. So um, right, I, I think it's it's a good pairing for them to both come out uh, around the same timing because we get to have sort of both both kinds of stories. Right, and we do get those moments. Now, like you said, Georgie. Uh, even as the as Poland is, is enacting these terrible laws, you have an officer of the law who's trying to help his friend. Um, you know, Gene, like, having Kurt teleport the guy's dad in there, even though he's, quote-unquote, the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like, you still, like, he needs to see his dad. You know, we're going to try to help him, but, you know, go get his dad. And, and they talk Gambit out of out of hurting him. And I don't know. It's just, yeah, there's, there's, there's little moments in the action. That, uh... That panel two of Azrar with uh, the mutant guy going uh, the spitting dinosaur look or the whatever whatever that lizard's called yeah with the with the head fins it's a great panel. I mean the whole book is gorgeous, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. That uh that splash page of the X Men launching out of the Sentinel's chest, which by the way I am glad. They're now traveling inside instead of trying to fly on the shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> I like that better. Makes more sense, sp- yeah. Yeah, that splash page is fantastic. What do you have to say, yeah. Dan? I don't really know what else. Yeah, Dan, give us some, give us some, uh, some good topics, I, some I good talking points. I just love <laughs> that the I love that the uniforms all have like distinct, like personalized touches from like Gabby's hood like I said Storm's um, crown and I just love the fact that um, there's character moments in here through small dialogue like the fact that Gambit is Gambit questioning like giving a a smarmy comment when uh, they arrive with the soldiers and Storm being basically Storm and I think Jean comes across really well as just compassionate I do think that she sometimes flips to the let's just use telepathy to solve all the problems um but um, a bit bit too a bit too quickly but i don't it just it just works and it the action's really beautiful and i think for like a a a book that is trying to say something but not really hiding it at all and for it to end with the idea of like weaponizing the truth i don't i've never heard like a book never been so hasn't been so relevant in such a long time that like it feels like a rally rally cry to like the readers as well, let alone the X Men themselves. I feel like it just feels it feels it puts itself into um, I wouldn't say an important book, but it puts itself into a, a much more um, interesting frame than say I don't know um, <laughs> Venom. That way, just like I'm just the, <laughs> you know what I mean. It just no offense to Venom because I haven't I haven't read the new Venom, but like that it, this feels really now and all of the parts are working so well to, to, to grind out a, a really good story and we have a full on action issue which we haven't really had I don't think on on like a full action moment but it's all of, like I like the fact that they're all like don't hurt anyone we're not going to hurt anyone no accidents no like you know just disarm them um, and just the ideas that Tom Taylor's put down like it's, it's a big statement to have mutants come out of a rainbow Colored Sentinel, 
Right. That's a massive, massive statement just on a visual level and it's in its own way. I just think it's great. That it all works, and I, I think like Nova is the right villain for the piece because she was a twin that tried to feed and kill her other twin in the room um, through her own hatred. So I feel like you know she's the evil inside us all. Essentially, mm-hmm. I think it works really well. Well said. Yeah. So, um, okay. I, yeah. I'm going to uh, easily give this a 6 out of 6. I don't know about you guys. I am right there with you. I love this book so much right now. I, I, I have to give it 6. I don't understand how, how, how you couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. So, obviously, we all three of us love this book. Um, and I meant to look at the tweet, and I forgot. So I don't remember the, the new artist's name that's coming on. But uh, obviously, a large part of the enjoyment of this book for us has been the combination of Taylor and Azadar working so well together. How do we feel about his departure and, and the transition to an, a new art team? I'm sad because he's one of my favorite artists. But... It could be just as good or even better. So I'm hopeful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, time will tell. Well, uh, I'm, I'm hoping for the best. Speaking of sort of some changes, did you see the the final page here? Uh, like the preview for Countdown to Extermination? Yes, yeah. Uh, that's by uh, Brisson and Vizaldia. Um Kind of has Gene and Kurt uh, dealing with the death of the other X-Men. 20 so, years later in the future, yeah? Yeah. Is this... They age well, don't they? They yeah. <laughs> do, yeah. But my, my question is, is this like another like, like crossover book that's coming? Or, or what is this count yes. to extermination? Okay. Yeah, it is. And a lot of the speculation and rumors is this is what's going to finally fix the 05 to a certain degree. So we'll see if that happens or not. 05? Um, yeah, the all new original X Men. Oh, okay. Or I guess I guess Team Team Blue A for now. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's supposed to kind of kind of help reset the. Oh uh, man, I almost sounded like a Marvel ad right there. It's gonna reset the status quo for the X Men <laughs> universe for the next few years. <laughs> okay, Kevin right. Feige, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind as long as it sort of like uh, puts to bed certain bad ideas and just goes, look, let's clear it all out, start blue and gold again, new creative teams, boom, let's go. Right. I'll, I'll follow yeah. it. And we've seen we've seen a little bit of more uh, hints at the new mystery X books. So, but there was a, a possible Cyclops link to that. So we'll, we'll see how that all plays out. But cool. Yeah. All right. Well, we're almost to the end of the show, amazingly enough. Um, we have one more book to talk about, and that is X-Men Blue, number 28. Uh, this is Cry Havoc, part six. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. All right. Uh, written by Colin Bunn, art by Marcus Toe. Colors by Rain Barreto. He's been a busy bee this month. Uh, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And the cover by R.B. Silva and Rain Barreto. 
So on the cover, we have Magneto, Choking Havoc, and Dragon Polaris along for the ride. Yeah. This is a fine cover. There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very it's very comic book. Very X-Men. Very sort of middle of the story arc. Yeah. I really right. like how, how the, it's, it's drawn. It just feels a little uninspired. But I do like how it looks. Yeah. I like all the chains. The chains are cool. Magneto Probably. has abs for days. Um, but yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> cool. Well, so if you remember, we've had the whole Mother Vine debacle going on, which is this Mother Vine evil mutant cabal releasing these whatever nano, <laughs> probably more nanotech mm. through the air to cause either secondary or thirdary or fourthary mutations and mutants, and just <laughs> first primary mutations and regular people and. <laughs> Magneto went through a time platform and now he's come to a time unknown and drops his iPad but he finds some quote unquote friends and says we're out of time. So then uh, Polaris, Gazing Nightshade, Dokken, and Zorn are in a prison cell. Uh, for some reason Dokken can't pop his claws um, and Zorn has on a collar and then Miss Sinister is working on Jimmy Hudson because he's an ultimate universe X-Men and they were engineered and manufactured mutations and she's going to use that to help Mother Vine and she can't believe she let Jimmy Hudson get away but she will not make that mistake again. Emma Frost though has had enough. Miss Sinister's had enough of Miss Frost and there's more people in tubes like Bloodstorm and it's her lab and then Emma tries to use uh, Sinister's Marauders against her, but she snaps her fingers and kills them all. And then that allows Jimmy Hudson to escape and Emma Frost to mess with her hair. Um, and we get a really cool panel by Toe of Hudson kind of going berserk and his skin being zapped off of his skull, but Miss Sinister's reflection in the claws... And he chunks Miss Sinister. That, of course, frees our X-Men, so Dawkins gets a little snicked. And Polaris, and they break Zorn free, and they blow the door down. And a, a pretty decent panel with them lined up at the bottom. But Emma Frost is like, hey, I was coming to get you guys. And she has Bloodstorm and Jimmy Hudson. Polaris is like, this doesn't make a square. She's like, I can live with that. <laughs> and then Zorn's like, I'm free. And then Dawkins gives Hudson a hard time, says, Oh, blood on the claws. I see the family resemblance. <sighs> so then we go back to uh, Mexico oh, wow. where a guy, a guy gets crab claw hands and doesn't cook them. Um, Magneto shows up apparently back in normal time and starts knocking Mother Vine out of the air. So was Exodus in a different timeline? Is that why the time travel was required. I don't really understand what happened there. But anyway, he shows up with Exodus and Elixir, and they together are able to pull all the Mother Vine out of the air, and most people change back, like the Lobster Claw guy, 
but then this other big monstery guy doesn't change back and Magneto's like alright my brother just the way you're supposed to be and then um, Magneto and, and Bastion look at stuff I'm, no I'm sorry <laughs> Havoc and Bastion are watching their monitors and Havoc gets pissy because Magneto has destroyed Mother Vine and Bastion's like why well, now say that we need to kill Elixir but before he can do that, Emma Frost shows up with her new X-Men, and they jump in and fight. Um, Zorn uh, opens his helmet. That's actually a really cool visual of his helmet kind of coming apart. Um, and then the singularity sucks Bastion in, and Zorn and Bastion disappear. And Toad hops in. I don't think he's been really around, but he, he hops in and picks up Zorn's mask and is like, Zorn? Zorn, my, my best friend? No. Um, so Havoc blasts Dokken with his circles and is really mad that Mother Vine's not going to work. But Polaris is like, no, I know you. And Emma says, let's go inside his head. So they do. And then there's a little fetal position. Alex Summers in there. And they're looking for good memories. And then Emma says, oh, Rick Remender inverted you. I'm going to undo it. And then... But when he wakes up, he still feels the other guy inside him. And then um, they see a bunch of Mother Vine test tube things. And Elixir fixes that as well. Polaris uses her magnetic powers, because that's the best way to get the little metal eyepiece off of Havoc. And he says, my scars are gone, but underneath I feel them. Which gave me mad uh, reminiscing to... Uh, uh, wow, it's going to be the second time I bring up the Danger Room podcast, but that really felt like his brother going, and my eyes, my yes. curtain yes. eyes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have scars underneath that you can't see, but I know they're there. Um, and then Havoc, I'm not, I'm sorry, I keep mixing up Havoc and Magneto for some weird reason. Um, Magneto is out in the town making a thing, and Emma Frost speaks through the crowd to him and says, can we be friends again? And he's like, nope. You use mutants to try to attack me. I had to put them down. That's on you. And then that's kind of where the story ends. Um, yeah, that's a lot. Huh. <laughs> um, some of which I thought was really cool and some not so much. But um, what, what do we think of the art by Marcus Toe? I really like a lot of the individual um, faces. Yeah, but it's just like they're like really beautiful, like um, Emma and uh, Polaris inside his mind, where they're looking at the Lalex are really lovely. Like they're really nicely coloured as well. Like the colour, the colour work is just beautiful in this book. Generally, is really lovely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not like sometimes there's panels that don't really work, but on the whole, I think it's quite good. Though I don't understand why Alex is like a bo- like a baby. Like he's like looks like he's like ten years old, but maybe that's time travel. So. Because isn't he supposed to be like a teenager, like a nearly 20-year-old teenager, and here he looks like he's... Like 12, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Danger. Uh, in which part? In, 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 like, he looks, he looks, Elixir looks like, tw- like 12, yeah, he looks like really quite young. Oh, to... Elixir, okay, gotcha, sorry, I thought you said Alex. Alright, my bad. Yeah, no, he definitely looks like a little kid, for sure. But I think it looks really nice. Yeah, I, I, th- I thought the art was pretty great. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the artwork the whole way through. 
And I'm going to say for a conclusion to Mother Vine, I didn't think the story was all that bad. I thought it felt more like X-Men. Um, it definitely had some X-Men, like, multiple plot threads going on. <laughs> um, I thought overall, I thought the story had a nice little finish. Um, couple, I, I don't know how long I want a um, emotionally doubtful Alex but if it doesn't drag on too long I'm okay with it um, so we'll just kind of see I guess we'll see how that plays out in Astonishing but other than that I thought like, the, the dynamics was you know, Miss Frost and Miss Sinister and then circling back to Magneto like all kind of made sense to me it felt like the characters felt more like themselves than they had in maybe some of the last few issues so Overall, I enjoyed it. What did you guys think? I agree with you. The idea that they seem like themselves. Like, Emma does feel like Emma now, not I'm just evil um, for the sake of this plot. It, I, I quite, it, it tied up all its loose ends um, in, 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 a, in a way that's maybe not fully satisfying, but it was not like... It wasn't, it wasn't astonishing X-Men 12. Um, so... <laughs> It felt like it was worthwhile, like the journey may not have been fully earned, but it feels like where we got to is kind of worthwhile, where they've gone, well, we, we don't know what to do with Zon or Bastion, so we'll just end them. Miss <laughs> um, <laughs> Sinister is kind of like, Miss Sinister and this whole ultimate thing is a bit too much, we'll just end that. Like, you know, it feels like these things didn't work, so we're going to just stop them, as opposed to like, let's try and make something that doesn't work, work, in the, in the case of Mr. X, or whatever he's called. Um, I quite like the I quite like the things to come page because it reminds me of all those issues ago where we had exciting things to come. Right. Page. Well, I, I, hopefully we can talk about that in a minute because um, I have I have questions, but uh, I I mostly agree with Dan here. The I don't know if it was earned, and I do feel like a lot of this is wrapped up quite quickly here, but it didn't feel like like nonsense and and all right we're just ending it to end it it felt more like these are things these characters would do they felt like the they're written as the characters they were drawn as they are which you know you're not always going to get in comic books you know for some reason but uh <laughs> it felt true to character and it was like enjoyable artwork um I'm kind of glad to be done with the whole Mother Vine thing. Uh, if, it, if it had gone on another issue, I would have been really kind of bored with it. But um, Right. Yeah, it was, it was a good ending. I'm glad it's over. Fair enough. All right. Well, what did you want to say about Georgie, the uh, things to come page? Well, all right. So first off, uh, we've got four panels here, right? And so we've mm -hmm. got the original X-Men. Looks like back on Earth. Uh, so they come back from space somehow, and they don't have their Venom symbiotes on them. Um, however, we do see them probably facing Jimmy Hudson, who maybe has a symbiote on him now. Is that what we're guessing that is? Oh, I hope not. Um, but possibly. Oh, you know what I bet this is? Okay, I'm going to take a stab in the dark. So, I'm assuming that you guys spared yourselves Venomized. Yes. But, um... In that story, you find out how the X-Men come back to Earth, go through that whole story, get rid of their symbiotes, 
But there are some of those Poison X symbiotes that left from alternate dimensions. Mm-hmm. And there is a Wolverine character running around in the South America, I think, somewhere. So this could be that guy. But then I don't understand why Hudson's not on the team. So that may just be a misdirect. I don't know. Um, but yeah, those little lines do look like they could be a symbiote. So maybe something going on there. Yeah. Well, I thought maybe because the claws are um, bone, that's the metal coming out of him to wrap around the claws. Okay. Because in the next, is that not the the next issue? Him hunting them. That's the front cover of the next issue. Oh yeah, it is. So, You're right. So I, I just assume the first panel is just the next issue. <laughs> <laughs> maybe so, I'm hoping too much. How did they come um, back? They got Gene. Gene. They fixed Gene, and they came back. I mean, I don't want to read Venomized, but no. So Jean somehow uh, reincorporates herself. Sure, of course. <laughs> and I don't really have any more explanation than that. Um, okay. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it didn't really make sense to me, but um, but yeah. So she she was integral to them defeating the symbiotes, and then she pulled her body back together um, from space particles or something. Wow. That's- and she doesn't have the phoenix, right? No, <laughs> that's just, no. That's just that's just all Jean. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, then with these well, panels, we've got next. Remember is, from like... the annual Dan that uh, the phoenix was just holding Jean back. Oh yeah. yeah. So next we have the White Queen, uh, sort of on her own, with uh, the mask of the um, what are they? Hellfire <laughs> minions. Yes, yeah. I, almost, I almost said Hellions, and I'm like, it's not the Hellions, the Hellfire. Ah. Yeah. So, do you think she's going to restart the Hellfire Club? Is that where we're going with her next? I'm okay with that. It could work. It also looks like she's defeated it. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Like, she takes it over and makes it her own thing. Like, I, I think that would be a cool move for Emma at this point, actually, because definitely on the outs with the X-Men and not trusted, but she's still going to try to carry on whatever her mission is. So... Why not manipulate and employ old ties to do it? I, I think it could be a cool story in the right hands. So, cool. Then next we've got what looks like the evil X Men that they uh, <laughs> fought previously with, uh, like the magical beast. And uh, what do you think these characters are, are? Are these those characters? Who are these these X Men here? Um, I think this might be like the future, like. <laughs> Because I remember there's a there's a extermination one where Cyclops had like weird hair, um, and Angel had blue wings like that. So I don't know if this is extermination related or just another bunch of evil X Men. I don't know because um, Young Beast that's his magic form, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So he could just embrace that and go dark magic beast. I don't know. Um, obviously, Jean grows her hair out. <laughs> well, where's uh, again? I I look more, and he's absent in some of this. So where's where's Iceman in this scenario? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. And then finally, we've got Magneto saying to me, "My brotherhood." So who do you think is in the brotherhood? Uh, the guys above him. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't know. Um, Manino's trajectory or and or his um, 
revolving door of good, bad, gray. Um, looks like we're heading back towards the less altruistic Magneto. So we'll, we'll see how that goes, I guess. Poor guy's all over the place. Needs to sit down and have a rest. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, that little preview aside, what did we want to grade X-Men Blue number 28? Surprisingly, I'm going to go with a four because I really enjoyed the art and uh, it was actually not too bad. It felt like a nice, like, breezy X-Men read. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm going to give it a solid four out of six claws, uh, great art, and a good enough story. I think, really, at this point, just to have Blue feel more like an X-Men book was a win for me. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it gave me, it gave a little grace. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I I almost want to give this a five compared to what some of the blue has been previously, but it was I think a high four for me. I, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, awesome. Do we think it can continue? <laughs> I think now that they've cleared the slate of everything that's just happened, I think maybe we might kick a different gear at least. I hope so. I hope so. I I worry because I feel like I feel like this book for whatever reason Bun doing X-Men Blue is better when the original five are not there mm-hmm. so I, I'm a little worried about them coming back but you know we have all the, the misadventures of Symbiote Land behind them so I'm sorry Symbiote Land behind them and so hopefully that <laughs> hopefully that'll, uh, that'll give him a little little I'm hoping he has a little runway of I'm not emboldened to these other stories and I can just kind of do something here for a little bit mm-hmm. before extermination comes along. But I don't know how soon that is, so I'm not sure. I am um, at work. There's a couple. Uh, I work next to the post-production people, and there's always chatter about movies, this and that. And for some reason, Venom came up, and one of the, the managers was like, oh, I really love that character. And I was like, Really? And, and, and her and her, her, her assistant manager were like, yeah, there's so much you can do with that character. And I was this close to going off on them, but I was like, no, I'm going to like I, I might need a promotion someday. They're <laughs> away. <laughs> That's funny. Well, how do they pronounce it since they're the fans? Oh, no, I, no, I don't think they're really like fans of the character at all. I think oh. they know him very briefly and they're like, oh, that's, that's like interesting possibilities. Right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Well, um, that kind of brings us to a close here. No, like I said, no, uh, no solo titles this time around. Um, did you? Um, I, I don't want to prolong if, if we don't have time. But did either no, of no. you read uh, Dazzler yet? No, I didn't. Do I need to pick it up? I haven't read it yet either. I was wondering what okay. you thought. Oh. <laughs> I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed it. <laughs> okay. It's a, it's a bit heavy-handed in its message, but I enjoyed it. Gotcha. Who did that one? Uh, I can't remember. Um, Max Bizzaccio wrote it. Um, I can't remember the artist at all for the life of me. Okay. That's cool. It's not on my pads anymore. So right. it clearly wasn't that important. 
I like Dazzler as a supporting character. Um, I wasn't super interested in reading her own thing, but I might give it a shot if I see enough praise about well, it. It is just a one-shot, so... Oh, okay. All right. Just kind of teeing her up for the Astonishing Run, or...? Yeah, yeah, because it, 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 it does the whole, Dazzler will be back in. Oh, nice. Really right. judicious um, Greg Land cover of her with her ass to the audience. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> I also missed, and I guess, is, is it digital only, um, that Hope West had a Cloak and Dagger thing come out? Yeah. So, well, I'm not historically a big Cloak and Dagger fan, but it's in time for the TV show, and I love Dennis Hope West, so I will probably give it a shot, just to see. Um, Same here. Yeah. Um, what else was I going to say? You reminded me of something, but then I forgot it. So I guess it wasn't that important. All right. <laughs> but, all right. Well, anything else we want to want to hit on? I feel like overall, X Men Universe is a in a, a decent, somewhat solid state. So I I feel like Red is is uh, you know. Raising the waterline, some of the other books are are getting a little bit better as they go through that. I think still the uh, I don't know. I think we'll just see what happens with the change in astonishing, and hopefully the people that are loving astonishing won't won't bail. <laughs> but <laughs> is that how you um? Reading <laughs> well, it's just funny because we've been pretty consistent through the 12 issues that at best it was mediocre like it's high points and I've seen a lot of love for it online so it's kind of hard to people don't go you can't please that's that's true that's true you know at least for Astonishing we had a couple issues that were like visually interesting right yeah yeah oh did you see where ACO is going to Wonder Woman no ooh yeah, he's gonna be one of the rotating regular artists on, on that book. When um, uh, uh, is it Orlando that's taking that over? I think. Yeah, he is for a couple of issues. It's like fill, it's like a filling arc. He's doing. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that's all it was, but yeah, that's pretty cool. So. Well, um, our <laughs> yeah. our newest episode just launched. Um, it's number five. We're going over just some old. It's a, it's a bit of a shorter episode, but we're going over. Uh, old episodes of Exiles and Excalibur, so um, yeah. that's out now, and we're gonna be doing like a little like mini contest uh, to see if you can help us name some characters that appear in an issue. So that'll be, that'll be coming out as well. So please look out for Twitter right. for that. Yeah, can't wait. That's funny. Um, yeah. So where where can people find you your show, The Excalibros? Well, they can find us on all of your podcasting apps stitcher you know the, the podcast app on itunes um i use overcast so uh that's that's the app i would definitely recommend but we're, we're everywhere there we're also online at um excalibros.podbean.com and um we're on twitter what's our twitter handle dan uh, excalibros1 because it's super easy to remember <laughs> Yeah, and that stands for Excalibros, our number one. That's what that stands for. Thank you. 
But yes, yeah, great show, and um, I'm glad to see a new episode coming out. Y'all kind of got a kind of weird with the the release of the ex- new Exiles book. Was like, bam, bam, bam. Wait, wait for. <laughs> <laughs> so, but cool, cool to see the. Uh, so, um, I'm interested. I'm, I won't. I won't have you spoil it here. I'm curious to see whether the the contest relates to Exiles or Excalibur. So I can't wait to listen and and find out and see if I can either help or just give you really terrible answers. I'll do one. <laughs> but, um, yeah, awesome. So definitely go check out Escalabros and, like I said, here's some more Georgie and Dan. And, um, of course, for the podcast that goes snicked, as always, you can like the Facebook page. Uh, Twitter is at snickcast. And show notes are at snickcast.podbean.com. So, I think that's going to do it. Uh, just thanks again to, to Dan and Georgie for coming on. It's always a highlight to have them on the show. And um, Thanks for having us. Always fun. We appreciate it. Awesome. Well, until next time, everybody, hugs and snicks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. And snacked. <laughs>